Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to a spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show, and today our topic is balance, less chaos and more wholeness. I'm delighted to be joined today by Yvonne Talley, the author of the book, Breaking Up with Busy, Real Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. Ms. Talley leads meditation and de-stressing programs for corporations, individuals, and private groups in Silicon Valley. She is a neuro-linguistic programming master practitioner and co-founded Poised Incorporated, a Pilates and wellness training studio. She's the founder of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Scarves, a charity that provides headscarves to cancer patients. Yvonne Talley lives in Northern California. You can find out more about her book and her work at her website, YvonneTalley.com, and I'll just spell that Y-V-O-N-N-E. Tally is T-A-L-L-Y, so YvonneTalley.com. Welcome, Yvonne Talley. I'm delighted you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. So before we dive into our conversation about balance, let's begin with a moment of practicing what we are about to discuss, a a yoga moment, a moment of, um, let's say, a moment of arriving. Oh. So let's begin right where we are, right here and right now. Let's just feel our bodies, feel our bodies in space, whatever you're doing, whether you're sitting, standing, driving, we can still take a moment and feel our bodies, feel where our bodies touch surfaces that support them. And then turn our attention to the breath, that wonderful tool that's always with us, that helps us to bring our attention into the present moment. So let's just notice as we take a fully conscious breath, as we inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, notice the cool air entering the nostrils. And then notice the warm air flowing out. And as we just stay with our breathing, let's imagine that with every in-breath, 
we can dive within. And with every out breath, we can relax. As we do this, our attention naturally drops from our head down into the heart. We just stay with that, stay with that, focus on our breath, focus on the present moment, focus on being present. And as we're present, we can rest in the essence of our being. That essence of our being is our connection to the one source, the one reality. That feeling, that power, that presence that's within us that's between us and all around us. And just by noticing, we can rest there. And as we rest there, we may notice thoughts or feelings as they arise and realize we can just watch them, staying with this sense of presence, this essence of our being. We can just watch as things may arise in the mental field. We can watch them and watch them as they pass away. Continuing to rest in this essence of our being. Feeling the peace that radiates from that. Allowing that peace to pervade the mental field. The emotional nature. And the physical body. Resting. Resting in that essence of our being. then as we draw this moment of meditation to a close, we realize that peace is a portable peace, as Yogananda described it. It's a peace we can take with us into our day. Realize we can share it with everyone we meet. So once again, Yvonne Talley, welcome to the Yoga Hour. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm certainly ready and in the center of where I need and want to be right now. That was lovely. Thank you. Okay. I've really been enjoying your book, Breaking Up with Busy, Real Life Solutions for Overscheduled Women. It strikes me that the problem that you talk about in the book, this problem of excessive busyness and being overscheduled is an epidemic 
and that it applies both to men and women. And since we have both men and women in our audience, I wanted to clarify that I think there are a lot of practices in the book that can apply to anyone, while acknowledging that there are also some ways in which women's experience is different. So what are your thoughts about the applicability of your approaches to both men and women? I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> Absolutely. Busy is definitely affects all of us now as a culture. It was once seen as a pastime. You know, busy was kind of that, oh, I have a busy morning or I have a busy weekend. Or busyness was also something that we kind of, you know, did for a short period of time. And now it's become our culture, our daily uh, part of what we do. And it affects men and women. It affects women more. And here's the upside to all of this is that we can learn from each other. And this is something that we can collectively do. Men are very good about taking more leisure time, about 40 minutes more each day. Mm. And we can learn from that. And But there's some, I think there's three things that are really affecting this problem of busy. And that is, you know, if we look, if we pull back at it and we look at what busy does for us, it kind of has that promise that staying busy will make us a part of that elite pack, the doers and change makers. And that is, is very appealing to us. Busy feeds our sense of, of importance. And when we are all around each one of us and we're doing the same thing, we're identifying this busy culture as being important then to be a part of our what we call our reference group, we are going to want to be doing, thinking, and being the same way as the people in that reference group. Mm -hmm. And as parents, you know, when we think about it, we spend about a minimum of 18 years just raising our children. And as professionals, we take about the same amount of time. So we are on this kind of busy push for good reasons. One economics and women are affected by that much more than men. Mm -hmm. We still do 80% of what's called non-paid work. We still know that we make about 20 cents less per hour or on the dollar than men. And of course, if you're a woman of color, that drops down about 63 cents to the dollar. So these are, these are just concrete facts that are going on mm -hmm. and bringing awareness to this, of course, can help us shift that. And the second piece of that, and we can go into each of these deeper if you'd like, but the second piece of that is technology. Mm -hmm. You know, we spend, we spend, you know, the millennials spend about, uh, they, their phones are with them constantly and they're spending on average eight to 10 hours a day just on their phone. Mm -hmm. You know, we're looking at it and touching it <clears throat> about 5,000 times a day. So you can see mm -hmm. how this can make us certainly feel more busy mm -hmm. and it's a distraction and the distraction is what's getting in our way of feeling busier. And on top of that, we also have this disconnection from nature. You know, when we walk into nature, something happens to our senses. They're, they're illuminated, they're, they're sparked, they're ignited. And that's a very important part of how our health and wellness and mind, body and spirit can connect is by being in nature. And we are spending less and less time in that space. And of course, mm -hmm. we know the less time we spend with something, then the less important it becomes. Yeah. So something very significant that happens to us when we walk out into nature and we take a deep breath in, we mm. stimulate something called the vagus nerve. And that can settle the cortisol. It can reduce our heart rate. It also allows us to take that deep breath and say, ah, and that alone can begin to shift everything that's going on within our body and mind. So the mm. more we disconnect, the more we feel busy, the more important that being busy feels to us, the more we are going to do it. And let's mm -hmm. face it, in the 50s, being busy, 
was not a sign of success. Being, you know, having somebody to do things for you, leaving the office at five, spending the weekend with your family, those were the signs of being yeah. successful. Yeah. Now the sign of being successful is to be busy on 24-7. Somebody needs yes. me and wants me, I must be important. <laughs> yeah, you did a great job. A lot of stuff that you packed in your answer there. But I wanted to big, turn... It's a big answer. <laughs> it is. It is indeed. So you've been working with clients who are overly busy and overscheduled for several years and also describe in the book how you realized that you had this problem. So what was it that led you to write this book now at this time? Yes. Well, I finally woke up. <laughs> I was, you know, they say to write about what you know. And so that's what I did. And I was on that fast, you know, fast pace. Everything is fine. And I was building a business. I was raising my daughter on my own. And I had that 24-7 kind of on all the time and lost my sense of balance. And what ended up happening is I ended up having a very intense panic attack. Never had had one before. Uh, knock on wood, haven't had one since then. But it scared me enough that I said, I have got to begin to make some changes. And what was so beneficial, there were so many benefits and, and uh, gifts that came from that. I was so ashamed that I um, had had this, this episode occur. And I thought, how can you be this mindful and wellness expert and end up in the back of an ambulance having a panic attack, you mm -hmm. of all people. Mm -hmm. But you know, I ignored all the signs, the sleepless nights, the crowded schedules, the going from one place to the, to the next, and got myself into that space of, I can do it all. I can show up, I can do it all, it can be perfect, and I can do, get up and do the next thing the next day. And that panic attack uh, was brought on by stress, and it scared me enough to make that lifestyle shift and begin adopting mindful approaches into my daily life. And what I found was that the more I went out and told my story about having this panic attack, feeling as though I was a, a fraud <laughs> here, as I said, a, you know, a mindfulness and uh, health and wellness expert. And so many people, men and women, came to me and said, you know, I had that same thing happen and I felt the same way. I didn't tell anybody. I felt like I was having a heart attack and dying. Mm. And, you know, now you've opened the door. I, I see that there are solutions and, and there are. And we don't have to have that holding inside constantly feeling like we just have to keep going. We have to have balance because I always say this, we are not running a race. We are living a life. Mm -hmm. You can get up every day and get by on five and six hours of sleep. You can say yes to everything. You can show up for everything that you're expected to be at or that you want to be at. But how long can you sustain the quality of your health, your wellness, your relationships? All of that will begin to ravel apart. Mm -hmm. So um, I really like the title of your book, Breaking Up With Busy. Because it points to the fact that we do have a relationship with busyness, and it's one that we seldom examine. And that's one of the things that you really, you know, bring out in the book is our need to, you know, look deeper, look more deeply, and see um, what our motivations are, you know, for being busy. And I know you've you've touched on, you know, some of these already. Um, but it, it just seems to me that it's really something kind of, as you said, it sneaks up on us and we don't realize it. And uh, one of the things that helps it do that, of course, is our, you know, attachment to social media. So 
um, you've already mentioned how common, you know, it is and how much time, you know, people are spending on their on their phones. Um, did you have anything else to add about, you know, that aspect, this um, social, you know, social media aspect in our lives? Because one of the things I wonder about is um, we are always, I think, um, I noticed it, especially in teenage years, you know, comparing our insides with everybody else's outsides, you know, so we were the ones who could feel all of the conflicting emotions that we had, you know, within ourselves. And, um, and, and we'd look at our, you know, other peer, our peers and it's like, oh, well, they seem to be doing so much better, you know, than I am. And it seems to me like social media just ups that tremendously. Oh, hundred percent. And what's so fascinating that this is why I think it's so important to really take, take a moment to, to uh, look at how busyness affects your life. Because at first glance, it's so easy to say, ah, oh, busy. Oh yeah. I, and what happens when you run into somebody that you haven't seen in a while? Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, me too. So it's that stamp <laughs> of approval and acceptance. Oh, you're busy. I'm busy. We are so important. And really right. when we look at social media, we know it's glossy. We know it's got filters. We right. know that that can't be all what it is. I mean, you see, somebody sitting in a French cafe, you know, having their, their uh, croissant. And it could be right down the street at the cafe on the, on the corner, because we can make things appear that they aren't. Mm -hmm. And what you said about, you know, we're taking and looking at things on the outside, and then we're connecting it to our feelings on the inside. And this is really difficult, I think, right now for our millennials. And I think our millennials get a really bad rap from this because they get put in this category that, you know, they're this way or that way. But, you know, the effects of this are long term. We now know that just by the pure function of looking down at our at their phone, at our phones for an extended period of time, you see it all the time now walking across the street everywhere there's a phone in every activity that now the bones in the neck are actually growing out to the sides. They've done um uh, x-rays and MRIs of this now, and they look like little horns. We're completely readjusting the physical skeletal structure just mm -hmm. by technology. But it's mm -hmm. very alluring. It's very attractive. It's a great escape, and it mm -hmm. becomes addictive. It yes. becomes a habit, and we know the more we do something, the better we get at it. That's mm -hmm. what a habit is. It mm -hmm. becomes easier to repeat. So mm -hmm. motivation, here's what I think we need to do. We need to we need to take a look, and we do this in quiet space and time. That's why one of the reasons why meditation is so valuable is, am I being motivated because I'm trying to avoid something? Or am I being motivated because I want to move closer to something that feels good? Mm. So that's, you know, if we can really kind of grasp why we're doing something and have that quiet moment where we say, what am I feeling? Am I moving away from what I and fearing, you know, that I have as far as fear, or I'm moving into a direction that I want. And that takes me to another exercise, which I start with people right off the bat. And that is called the need want connection. Mm -hmm. What is it I really want? You know, what will change for me when I have what I want? And then, you know, what do I need? What do I need that will move me towards what I really want? And the last question is, why now? Why is now any different than yesterday, last month, the year before? Mm -hmm. And in quiet space and time, we can have a reflection of that. Because when we're busy and our prefrontal cortex is under siege, and that's the, the region of the brain that we reason, 
logic, problem solve, planning, memory, all of those things happen in this area of our brain. When we're busy, it just gets attacked, so to speak. So we can't reason well. We lose our ability to pay, you know, to have great, clear focus and attention. Mm-hmm. And so this is why having quiet time with these questions will help us then start to move in a direction that not move away from fear, but move towards what it is that we need and want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is that this, this, um, this comment of I'm so busy or I'm too busy um, is the most common reason that I hear from people who have difficulty establishing uh, a spiritual practice, a meditation routine, for example, mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Um, and people say, oh, you know, I'm too busy. I'm just too busy to do that. I just don't have the time. Um, it's also true if um, same kind of thing I heard when I was practicing as a physician, um, when people are trying to establish an exercise routine or trying to eat in a healthier mm-hmm. way, there's a desire to make a change and introduce a new behavior, but the person finds it difficult to set aside time. And that's why I think it's important to reflect um, on, you know, sort of what you just said, you know, what, what is it that I want? You know, I want to establish these things. I want to have a daily meditation routine, for example. Um, and one of the reasons I really enjoyed your book is that it encourages us to look at this process more deeply and give some tools, you know, to be able to do that and to see what underlies, you know, our drive toward this, you know, busyness. So, um, being busy seems like something that just happens to us, as we said, and yet you point out that being busy is a reflection of underlying desires and motivations. And I think this is one of the reasons that it's hard to make a change is people don't get down, you know, to that level. So why do you think it's important to understand these underlying motivations as part of a process of changing our behaviors? Well, if we don't know why and what we're doing, we won't be able to identify what it is that we need and want. So that's going to be the first thing. And we as human beings, you know, we are going to move towards the familiar because unfamiliar is dangerous. We go way back, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the woolly beast, the, the, the wild frontier, all of these unknowns and uncertainties represented um, for us to be unsafe. So that's why habits are so important to us. It's also the way that we can uh, maximize our energy. You know, if we had to think about getting up out of bed every morning and putting one foot in front of the other, it would be very difficult for us to get through the day. You know, if we had to think about exactly how to get to our job each day via car or whatever transportation we're having and had to repeat that every single day, just imagine how exhausting that would be. So our motivations, it's easy for us to get, and I talk about strategies a lot. We want to not only identify well-formed strategies that are working for us and moving us in the direction that we want to head, want to go, rather than staying in a space just because it's familiar. Mm-hmm. And that is where we have that conflict. The motivation can often come from, I don't know the unknown. It represents uncertainty for me, and I'm afraid. So I'm going to stay right where I'm at, mm-hmm. even though it's uncomfortable, even though I know that I'm not getting where I want to go. So one of the first things we can do is bring up into our conscious mind. Again, I'm going to go back to that. What do I want? Yeah. What do I want? So often when I begin to work with a client and I'll say, well, you know, tell me what you want. And they'll start out with a long list of either (laughs) of either concrete things 
or they'll start out with what they don't want. So one of the first things we have, where is my attention and energy directed? That's why meditation is so fantastic. If we can incorporate, because I incorporate, you know, the law of attraction into my meditation, a guided meditation. So if we can decide, okay, today, for the first half of today, what do I want to feel like? What do I want to focus on that brings me closer to what it is that I want? Whether it be financial, whether it be love-based, whether it be spiritual-based, whatever that is, there's no judgment here. The key is to focus on it. The key is to put your energy towards it. Now we can back this up and we can, the, the part about motivation, you know, what motivates us? Are we moving away from something we fear or are we trying to move towards something that we desire? So in that, what can often hold us back are our beliefs. Because our beliefs, of course, we know are derived from our past experiences mm-hmm. and define much of our personal reality, all of our personal reality <laughs> often, right? Mm-hmm. So it's how we make sense of the world. And so beliefs are the opinions that we hold true. They form our values. They're the standards by which we conduct our lives. So mm-hmm. our opinions and values affect our behaviors and attitudes. So there's an exercise in there called the power of beliefs because knowing which beliefs and values that are influencing your thinking is a time-saving insight for clearing a mindful decision-making process. So you can start with the reflection questions in the book, there's seven of them, and start to, you know, sh- take a look, clean out your beliefs closet, which beliefs mm-hmm. are really working for you. That will help you get your motivation on track with what you want. And then again, I always talk about, you know, meditation, get that in there as well. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we're we're big um, um, promoters of meditation <clears throat> here on the Yoga Hour, so I love that. Um, you said um, you said uh, so much, but I want to focus on just you know pick out one thing. So we only have just a short uh, you know half a minute or so before I need okay. to go to the break. But um, you were really talking about you know beliefs, and I think particularly when we're trying to change, looking at those beliefs about whether even change is possible for us because many people don't bother to try to change, right? Because mm-hmm. they think, Oh, but I, I can't do that. I've tried before and I, you know, mm-hmm. I can't do that. So that would be a really important belief to, you know, to, um, you know, to look at. And with that, let's just go to the break and we'll pick this up again when we come back. You're listening to the yoga hour with our guest, Yvonne Talley, author of the book we're discussing today, breaking up with busy. You can find out more about her book and her work at YvonneTally.com, and Tally is T-A-L-L-Y.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the Yoga Hour. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about breaking up with busy. We'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour. Living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. 
Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host of the show, and I'm here today with Yvonne Talley, author of the book we're discussing, Breaking Up with Busy. So Yvonne, right before the break, we were talking about um, people's ability to make a change and how it's important to look at our beliefs about that and to spend some, find some quiet time and space. I like how you said that. And then, you know, be able to look at that belief. And then one of the other things I thought was very helpful from the book is you talk about how it's important to not just look at the past and what's happened in the past. Uh, If we just spend time focusing on the problem, it's just giving more energy to that problem. And it's more important to think about looking to the future. So can you say more about that? Yes, I think that, that, you know, uh, when we look at the problem and then derive a solution from that and then put our awareness intention in and intention in that solution, that's when we really can begin to move forward. If we stay in the problem, what is the problem? The problem is derived from the past. We can say, oh, well, what if I have an ongoing problem situation? Okay, well, that is in the moment. What are we going to do about to move forward into, into the space that we want to be at? So this becomes a a practice just like anything else. And there's a tool in the book called the Super Solutions Process that takes you right through it. It's five steps. So, But the takeaway from this is to move forward, we have to put our attention, intention, and focus on what it is we want. And then, again, meditate that and begin to move in that direction. Mm -hmm. And our beliefs are going to have a lot to do with that. And just to go back to beliefs real quickly, we can ask ourselves which just one question, which beliefs are working for you? Mm -hmm. Because often our beliefs are just there and we haven't even taken a look at them. They're just familiar and we continue to move with them rather than decide which ones do I really want to take Mm -hmm. with me? Mm -hmm. Which ones are really working for me? So to move forward, you know, we can take a look at where are we spending our time and attention? And there's a, a, a process in the book called Time and Space Uncomplicated. And if there's one thing to take away from this book, I would think that this is a great awareness practice for all of us. And that is if we imagine a heart. And in that heart is what I call the inner circle. These are the people in our lives that are our dearest and nearest. These are the people that you can call at 3 a.m. and they're going to show up. These are the most deserving of our time and space. They respect and accept us. And we and they also accept our healthy boundaries. So these are the ones that we are emotionally and physically intimate with. So this is your inner circle. From there, we move out to the outer circle. These are friends that we see occasionally at work, their work associates, we might see them socially from time to time. And then imagine a circle outside of that, and that's your peripheral circle, and that includes the people that you know incidentally and see primarily at you know occasional social events, maybe passing them at the grocery store, that type of thing. They might know a friend of a friend of a friend. So as we look at our, the quality of time that we're spending, we can start to adjust as to where am I really spending the great amount of, of time and energy? Is it with mm-hmm. my inner circle? Am I being filled up by this? How do I feel when I'm in that space? And as we move out into the outer circle and the peripheral circle, there's one more circle that I didn't talk about in the book. And that's this big, big circle that is kind of filled with space on the outside. 
And that's social media. Those are all the people we will never meet, that we've never met, that we call friends on different social media platforms. Mm -hmm. And just how much time and attention are we giving to that space and time? Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's important, not only what are we doing, how are we feeling when we're doing it? And I don't mean that as pie in the sky, because we all have unexpected things happen. We all have difficulties and challenges that come into our lives. And I can guarantee if you are being nurtured and expanded emotionally, spiritually, in that space of your inner circle, when uncertainty shows up, and it will, when difficulty becomes a part of your life in a certain amount of time, having that strong inner circle is what's going to be able, is what is is going to help you to see the problem focus on the solution, and move forward, linked arm in arm, heart to heart. That's what your inner circle does for you. That's right. where the time and attention comes. I really appreciate you bringing this up. It was something that I, I really wanted <clears throat> excuse me, to talk to you about because I do think this is something that's really worth the time. So you call it time and space uncomplicated. So you've already talked about the relationship circles. So how, how do you... Um, How does looking at this open up, you kind of talked about time, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, where you want to make sure that, you know, when you are looking at your schedule and you're looking at these relationship circles, you know, you are um, making sure that you are um, right, kind of allocating your time to the ones that are most important to you, making sure all their needs are met first, right? Can you talk a little bit more about space? How can this open up space in our schedules? Well, and, you know, I have uh, several clients often will say to me, well, that is where I put my time and attention. That's why I don't have any time for myself. Well, what is the center of your heart? The center of your heart is first going to be within yourself. And this is often, this is why I make a distinction between men and women. And men do this as well. The the book in no means was to, you know, eliminate men from the picture, but it certainly, um, is geared towards these specific things. And we as women often, and I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here, often seen as caregivers and the ones that are going to nurture. So it's, it can very often come to us as second nature to help you know, the people in our lives that we nurture and care for. And that's a beautiful quality. We don't want to change that. However, for us to be able to sustain that long-term in our lives, we first must have to take care, we must take care of ourselves mm-hmm. first, because if we are not in good harmony, if we are not in good health, if we are not taking care of all those essential qualities, such as time and space just for ourselves, for the pleasures and enjoyment in life, we won't feel replenished. And if we don't feel replenished, what happens? We start to feel resentful, angry, tired, and that just starts that, that ball rolling. So time and space for to create this is so important because it's like anything if you have a cl- if you walk into a cluttered room it's pretty difficult to find your cell phone if there's stuff everywhere you can't find the things that you're looking for if you've decluttered a room if you've straightened it up if you put things where they need to be if there's some sense of order going on all the time then you can walk into a room typically and find what it is what you're looking for our life is the same way when it comes to what we're feeding ourselves, our brain, our body, our spiritual life. So mm-hmm. we have to be, we have to have time and space. Again, I want to go back to the brain. We have to have time and space for that prefrontal cortex to reboot, 
That's mm -hmm. what it needs. It needs breath. It needs quiet to be able to do that. You know, taking that the benefits of meditation are that it lowers our blood pressure. It boosts our immune system. It decreases the cortisol produced from stress and anxiety. And we know when there's a high amount of cortisol running rampant, and by the way, cortisol is important for us, it gives us our energy, it wakes us up in the morning, but it's when we have it overly produced because of stress and anxiety, that's when it affects the prefrontal cortex. That's when we can't think clearly. So we can see just from a brain function alone, creating time and space is a great motivation, I think, to have some quiet time and to adopt a meditation practice. Often mm -hmm. with my executives uh, where they say, no, that's ridiculous, meditation doesn't work, I will come to them with this, with this information that, hey, for you to be able to sustain your wellness, to build your, your life and your career and your family and your relationships the way you want to, you've got to have space to create it, nurture it, and grow it and expand it. And that's what we get from those quiet time and space that, that uh, either a meditation practice, a walking meditation practice, whatever it is where you are turning off other distractions and bringing yourself within. Mm -hmm. Yeah, boy, there's, there's so much there. That's so wonderful. So I was going to just point out that um, one of the practices of yoga uh, there are certain uh, ethical principles about how we are to treat others and to treat ourselves. And, and uh, one of these is right use of vital force, it's called um, brahmacharya. And, um, or, you know, originally, or some people take it in a very narrow sense, you know, just to look at it, you know, from a um, sexual, you know, abstinence standpoint. But really, when you look at it, it's, we only have so much, so much juice. <laughs> we only have yeah. so many, so much well uh, attention, you know, so much, um, you know, so much time. And, um, you know, we do, it, it pays uh, for us to, um, to look at that and to be mindful about our choices, you know, about how we're spending that time. So that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, when you're talking about um, time and space uncomplicated, you know, you're really talking about, you know, looking at our vital force and figuring out, you know, where do we want to be spending that and um, and not just falling into the trap of, of um, you know, getting ourselves over schedule, doing things that per perhaps we, you know, we don't even want to do. Yes. And then, one, one of the other things I wanted to point to is, you know, one of your descriptions of that inner circle, I love that you included ourselves in there and that inner and that heart, people can imagine that heart in the center, that is our most loved ones, but also ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also that group that, you know, will understand and accept boundaries. I loved how you included that because, you know, our, there may need to be, uh, you know, like you said, time for yourself within that as well. Right. 100%. I always say that boundaries are everybody feels better when there's boundaries. It's like handrails on a staircase. Everybody feels better when they're there. And certainly if we're thinking about, you know, when we move, when we think about what, it, you know, what, what is it that we're doing here in this beautiful, on this beautiful planet, in this beautiful world, what is it we're going to bring to it? Um, and who are we mentoring and influencing? And even if you don't have biological children, it doesn't mean that you don't have children and people you're mentoring in the world. Right. So right. the example that we set as, as, as mentors, as parents, as partners, whatever, however we want to define that, is what, what example are we giving them to follow? And that is, becomes very important 
when we begin to talk about things like boundaries, healthy boundaries, about making time and space for your heart, your spiritual uh, practice, your health and wellness, often we see it as selfish. I'm going to the gym to work out. We feel guilty. Particularly women have that button that happens. I feel guilty if I do that. If we could just shift that one thing, I'm caring for myself. And in that process, I'm showing those children or those people that I'm mentoring what an example of what it means to care for myself. Mm -hmm. So these are all things that we do that expand out. That's why I always, you know, we always talk about that. We're all connected. And when we make those choices to bring our most um, meaningful work into this world as often as possible, that is how we can expand it to others and allow them a picture of how to do it for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So, this touches on, you know, this sort of getting over schedule to begin with touches mm. on one of the things that you describe that I've often seen, you know, in, in my patients, the saying yes, trap. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes. <laughs> which is, which is, I know a big one for, you know, for women, but I've also seen men, you know, with this problem as well. So, so let's just talk about that for a minute. So what's the allure of saying yes? Like what is driving, you know, this behavior of saying yes when we really want to say no. Well, again, we're going to go back to it often can be what we've been taught. It becomes a strategy for avoiding conflict. Um, it's, you know, it can be pleasing others and a reward of acceptance and it can reinforce praise. And so this predictable kind of outcome is reassuring and emotionally satisfying. And that prompts us to continue that saying, yes, you know, we feel that the more we might feel, the more that we meet everyone's demands and requests, the more that they'll like us and we'll be accepted. This can certainly be part of that allure. And what sets this up is, you know, being overly agreeable assuages often the fears of not being loved or lovable, a condition that can likely be set up in early childhood. You know, yeah. when parents are domineering or micromanaging their children's every decision, this can, you know, again, as I said, become a strategy that gets developed. So how do we get back from, you know, saying yes to everything? Again, it's going to go back to what we kind of talked about earlier. What is my need and my want? What are my beliefs that are working for me? Mm -hmm. Have I set any boundaries? Oh, my gosh, are you kidding? That does, I don't even know how to do that. That can be <laughs> overwhelming to people. Like, what are you talking about, boundaries? Yeah. Just continue to always think of them as the handrails on a staircase. And what is one handrail you can put down today that is going to help you sustain your health and wellness and be an example to those that you're mentoring and that you love? So keep that in mind. So... So I talk about the breakout solutions in the book because I and I do spend a lot of time on this saying yes because pleasing others um, and and disappointing them is a, is a normal part of any relationship and the pleaser I talk about that profile in the book the pleaser gets into that space where I don't want to disappoint anybody mm -hmm. well that's part of life the beauty of it is coming back from it. When you disappoint yourself or you disappoint someone else, it's teaching ourselves that I can come back from that and move forward. Mm -hmm. So it's the habit, the routine saying yes to everything. I call this yesing. So there's a, <laughs> there's a fun little technique in the book called count your yesings. 
And uh, it's kind of, you know, to go into it might take too much time, but basically it's how many times each day do you say yes to things that you really didn't want to say yes to? Great. Really great. You know, put a quarter in your, in your wallet every time you do that or write it down on your phone. And at the end of the day, if it's 10 yeses and you look at you go, oh, that's why I don't feel like I got anything (laughs) done today because I was saying (laughs) yes to everyone else. Okay. So the next day, let's make it really simple. Let's get up and only say yes nine times. You know, that's, mm. I'm not t- talking about being unhelpful or not being a part of the solution. I'm just talking about let's get aware of our boundaries with how right. and we say yes. Right. And when we talk about that, you know, overcrowded schedule, that is, you know, the one we started with, started this conversation with this incredible overcrowded schedule. And we've already talked about one really helpful thing to do, which is the, you know, is to look at the. Um, you know, at which circle are you, you know, addressing when you look at your schedule? Like, are are you spending your time on the things that are, you know, most valuable to you? Um, but then how much of that did you say yes to when you really meant no? And so let's turn to the healthy no exercise. And I have done a, a um, you know, a version of this exercise, and I have found it so helpful uh, because um, no is something that can be very uncomfortable for people. So can you talk about that? The yes. no exercise? Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you want to. I'm not forcing you to. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> so the healthy no is just, it comes right on the heels of the, of the saying yes. Mm-hmm. So here's what you do. Practice get really comfortable with saying no. And it may feel foreign, even wrong in the beginning. And that's, again, that's a normal part of learning anything, right? It's, it's just going to, it will feel uncomfortable if you haven't said no before. And it is a complete sentence. And it is absolutely okay to begin a sentence with the word no. I was brought up that that is absolutely not okay. I teach my clients, you can begin a sentence with no, and it is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. So, and then I also say the second step is say it to believe it. So here we go. This is our practice. We stand in front of the mirror. Very simple. And we say 10 times the word no, because we want to get over that audio barrier. The more we hear it, the more we hear something, the more familiar it's going to become, the more comfortable it will sound to us. And then I say, say it like you mean it. Watch your face, uh, particularly your eyes, as you say the word no. And because, you know, we talk about that, that's the window to the soul. And if what you're saying matches your true desire, then your message will be more complete. It'll be verbally and visually delivered. So this is important. And then you do what you talked about earlier, do that mindful checkpoint. You know, choose choose something from the past. This is one of the times we're going to use the past to, to help us move forward um, that you didn't say no to. And even though you can't go back and change anything, you can practice flexing what I call your no muscle. Mm-hmm. Go back, revisit the situation and how you would have handled it if you would have said the word no, made the decision to set a boundary. And then be mindful of all of you. Be aware of your feelings that are stirring inside you when you say yes or no. And when we're busy, we forget to do that. We don't uh, connect with our feelings as much because we're in a reactive mode rather than an interactive feeling. So this is important. Again, this goes back to the time and space and also the meditation and creating quiet and silence for yourself, that when we slow and quiet down, that's when we begin to connect with how we're really feeling. And I wanted to go back just real quick, a simple way that you can start to get a, um, a tap on 
what it is that where you're spending your time is what I call code your calendar. And I'm very visual, so I make it all three, I make it three different colors. And in one category are the musts. These are all the things that we must get done every day. We spend about 14 hours a day in this category. You know, things like that make the house go, that make the career go, that make the, the family go. And then there's another column, and that's called the want column. And this is where you allow your creativity to expand. These are the things that you want. Maybe it's a dream vacation. Maybe it's a, a class that you want to take. Maybe it's a book you want to read. These are the things that you want to do that give you pleasure, that help you expand your mind, body, and spirit. And then there's a third column, and that's called the just because. This is the column, no judgment. This is the column where you call up a friend and say, hey, let's grab coffee together. Let's go for a walk. It's a just because. It fills you up with joy and pleasure. This is where you can recharge and restore all of you in this category. And when you color code them and you put them on your calendar and you only see that color of the must column, that's a very clear signal that it's time to put some wants and just becauses in your life. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's great. <clears throat> so unbelievably, we are coming to the end of the show and we've got about two minutes. So I wanted to give you a chance to have the last word. So in closing, what inspiration or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners thinking about people out there who may be living this overscheduled life? How, what would you say? Where do they begin? Slow down. <laughs> it's counterintuitive. I'll give it to you really quickly. Here's a quick, easy thing that you can do to see where your pace is. Today, slow down the way you walk. Slow down the way you talk. And slow down the way you drive and just see where your pace is at. Second, keep your big picture front and center. It's really easy to get stuck in the tiny spots. What is your big picture? What is it that you want? And take at least three minutes a day and meditate on what you want to bring more of into your life. And start your day with a mantra that will help you stay focused on what you want. So there's, you know, a couple more things, but those are the key. Slow down, keep your big picture in mind, get those three minutes of meditation, start it as a practice and a habit, and start your day with the, off with a mantra that will help you stay focused on what you want, what you want to bring into your world. Absolutely. <clears throat> Some great ideas for, you know, for uh, places to start. And, um, and your book, I would say, has a lot more. So if this has been an intriguing conversation for listeners, you can find out more about um, Yvonne and her book at YvonneTally.com. So here we are um, coming to the end. Actually, we've got about, well, just a little bit more. Um, it's been a really wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it, Yvonne, about you, you know, taking the time. And, um, and I, I wish you all the success uh, Thank with you your so book. Much. Yeah, I think it's been out for a little while now. It's been out for a little while, and I'm also doing a three-day um, workshop at 1440 Multiversity on August yeah. 23rd through the 25th. So it's a deep dive into that space of where I'm at today and where I want to move my life forward and how can I sustain that in a way that I feel fulfilled, rewarded, and I can, you know, I can live the life that I always say this, live the life that you desire and you deserve because mm -hmm. you do deserve to live your best life and bring it into this world as often as possible. Wonderful. 
And with that, you've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show, and we've been discussing balance, less chaos, more wholeness with Yvonne Talley, the author of the book we've been discussing today, Breaking Up with Busy. Yvonne is also a neuro-linguistic programming master practitioner. She co-founded Poised Incorporated, a Pilates and wellness training studio, and lives in Northern California. As I mentioned, you can find out more about her book and her work at YvonneTally.com, and Tally is T-A-L-L-Y.com. Thank you so much, Yvonne, for joining me today on the Yoga Hour. Always my pleasure. Thank you. Join us next time when our subject will be Bouncing Back, Strengthening Our Vital Skill of Resilience. I'll be talking with Susan Graham, the author of the book of that title, Resilience. Now a few announcements. Uh, Yogacharya O'Brien will be offering a retreat at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health in Stockbridge, Massachusetts from August 11th to 14th titled Live Your Abundant Life Now. You can find out more about upcoming events this summer and fall in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, in uh, Michigan, Italy, and Germany from Yogacharya's speaking schedule on her author website, ellengraceobrien.com. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. You can check out the website, csecenter.org, because there are, in addition to programs on site in San Jose, California, there are also um, online programs, uh, several of them, that are available to everyone everywhere. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder, and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producer, Ann Hayes, CSE's global media outreach manager, Holly Gray, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 